1: So, Lord Brother John, good morning to you, my friend.
0: Good evening, Shannon.
1: What do you eat over there for breakfast in Sacramento? On typically.
0: Well, today I uh, wanted to be early here, so I had a protein drink. Oh, those are good. Together with my uh, vitamins. Uh, normally, I eat some kind of. Uh, I make. The cereal. I have uh, oatmeal. I have either chia seed. Or I have uh, hemp seed and uh, flax seed. And uh, <clears throat> then I also have uh, a couple of other things that I put in. And I eat that with fruit and milk.
1: I miss my American breakfast. I used to uh, cook for myself uh, a slice of uh, toasted Ezekiel bread. And I would have buffalo, actual buffalo, organic buffalo sausage or turkey bacon and, um, you know, some eggs. That's always good. I can't find turkey bacon down here, no buffalo sausage, unless you want water buffalo. <laughs> and uh, But they do have toes, so toes and eggs, so it's all good. Uh, praise the Lord. I didn't know if you had anything that carried over from uh, your youth in Sweden. What do they eat in Sweden over there? Is it like an American breakfast or what?
0: Well, after World War II, they brought in uh, cornflakes and uh, cereals. Uh, They came in after 1945. So uh, basically, we uh, didn't have any fast food. So there was oatmeal and uh, cream of wheat milk in the morning.
1: I remember cream of wheat growing up and, of course, oatmeal. Uh, I eat that sometimes. That's always good. Uh, nothing wrong with uh, with uh, some uh, cereal as well. Uh, folks, welcome aboard. Well, we're going to serve you up uh, some fresh bread. Message today, we've got Pastor John Terrell coming to you live from Sacramento, California. And uh, Brother John, would you like to open us up in prayer? The mic is yours. i
0: will be very happy to. My Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you right now. That once again, I'm back here on the Mega Man Radio for another session, and Lord, I pray particularly for that man up in British Columbia, Father God, that contacted us about two weeks ago, and asked for help, Lord, as he is an alcoholic, Father God, hopelessly stuck on pornography and a few other things, and the wife has split and they're filing for divorce. And Father God, I just pray for that particular man right now that you will make him understand that <clears throat> getting delivered is not the magical wand that would just sweep away the demons and then he can go back and live like he normally do. It's a lifestyle change. And I pray Lord, only the Holy Spirit can convict him. Only the Holy Spirit can help you. And there are many artists like him, Father God, men and women that are stuck in sin. And I pray right now, Lord, that for today, that you will use me to speak to some of these people and that they will hear what the Holy Spirit tells them, as the Holy Spirit tells me what to say. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm teaching on a subject here. This is actually from my Christian Dynamics book number four. And uh, we are doing, we are in uh, lesson, actually lesson or chapter, whatever you want to call it. But we are in uh, lesson 50. And... uh, if you want to have the material that I'm working from, uh, contact us at EAEC.org. That's our website, eac.org, And uh, we will electronically send you a copy of this particularly lesson we're going to do it. So, <clears throat> what I want to say to begin with is something this. You and I do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. When you drive down a road and you leave your house, you do not know if there's going to be another driver out there that is going to collide with your car and cause injury or even death. Um, you don't know. For example, you know how many heartbeats you got left. We have one heartbeat at a time. Now we assume that we're going to finish the day and. Uh, Go to bed tonight after having eaten our food, and wake up in the morning. But the thing I want to stress is this: you and I do not know the future. We cannot see into the future. Satan cannot see into the future. He does not have the same capacity as God does. Uh, demons cannot do it. They, they try. To to predict things, what will happen. But only God, the Father, is omnipotent and knows He can travel in time. He's not locked in. So, having said that, Jesus offered us to have guidance. With other words, through the Holy Spirit, you can know what will happen tomorrow. Through the Holy Spirit, you can ask if you are offered a job situation and you can, through the Holy Spirit, know that this is a good job or no, this is not the job that I should take. Particularly if you're a young person, you're not married, uh, the Holy Spirit would be more unhappy. happy to show you the the, the man or the woman that he wants you to marry. You can find that out in advance. With other words, you can know the future through the Holy Spirit. And this entire book that I have here, Christian dynamic course number four, is part of that. I have other things in it is to help us to know what to do. In Early in my life, I simply was just, I would call it ignorant, like everybody else, and I tried to make decisions on intelligence, facts, I would try to do, recon, find out about this and this and that, how that would work out, I would look at a product, I would try to get a product review and so on, I did everything in the flesh to try to find out if this is a good thing or not and most of the time it ended up with that uh, it wasn't that good or it was inferior, it could have been better until I learned a lesson that if I'm going to purchase a car, if I'm going to go someplace, uh, if there's going to be a change that I'm going to do, then I simply go in prayer, I ask the Holy Spirit, what should I do? Give me direction, speak to me. Should I go here, should I go there, and so on. And The beautiful thing is, the Holy Spirit will give you that information. Now, why is it that so many people do not hear what the Holy Spirit says? Let me try to give you this example to show you. Paul says this, grieve not the Holy Spirit by which you are sealed unto the day of redemption. That's in Ephesians. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has, he has emotions. And you make him upset. You grieve him and he is not gonna work with you. So let me chew on that for a moment. Let me try to illustrate that. Let me take a husband and a wife. And um, so they get into a fight. And the husband and wives do have fights. They are different in severity. They can be from an argument to push and shove. But... Every married couple, unless they are liars, have difficulties from time to time. You have different opinions. You can't agree on this. and There is a conflict, fight, whatever you want to call it, or hated discussion. So let's say now that this uh, we this man and wife they have a hated discussion, and uh, it is not resolved and. The woman walks off, and she's steaming mad. And the husband is huffing and puffing. So a few hours later, the husband calls the wife from his job and says, hey, um I'm going to bring home tonight the friend and a guy that works here on a job, and uh, can you cook us your the favorite dinner that you normally do?" when we have company and she's going to tell her husband you go and take a jump in the lake I'm not cooking for you tonight <laughs> no way take a friend and wherever it is go to a restaurant enjoy yourself but don't expect me to cook for you when will the wife start cooking again when the husband has asked for forgiveness, confessed that, yes, I was not right, I did this wrong. And would you forgive me? And if she's a Christian woman, she would say, yes, I forgive you, I love you. And now the relationship is restored where they can freely ask each other. Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And so on that's exactly how the Holy Spirit operate and work he can get offended you can grieve him and when you do he simply says until you repent I ain't talking to you I just not going to talk to you you have insulted the father, the son You insulted me. And until you repent, you ain't going to hear from us, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's one aspect of it. So how do you, let's say, turn off the Holy Spirit? You do that through sinning. And sinning does not mean that you do go to a whorehouse or that you got to and shoot somebody. Sinning, most of the stuff to how we sin is we have attitude sins. And we sin in this way that we are harsh with other people. Uh, we lie because we've done something and then we lie about it. Or... Uh, we simply do not do something that we should do. And so, additive sins also, for example, gossiping. Uh, you're upset with people and you gossip. Now, I have been fighting this <clears throat> for a long time. <clears throat> I try not to do it. But the way that gossip happens is somebody hurts you. And then you have a need to retaliate, so you start gossiping about the person that hurt you, which is not good. So, before you come and say, Holy Spirit, I need guidance. We start by repenting of our sins. Now, the big sins... I don't do anymore. I mean, I don't rob banks anymore. I don't kill people anymore. I don't start fires anymore. I don't drink anymore. I don't take drugs. Never did take drugs. I took some medication, but not drugs like I have today. And so but I have attitudes the attitude sin is what sinks us Um, I'm the pastor I got a group of people working with me under me, I'm directing them and sometimes they underperform Uh, they don't do what I think they should do and uh, when I tell them they just get uh, huffing and puffing and say well you know Uh, so what so that affects me because now I get offended and when you get offended then the next thing you do you know you get angry and uh, then next is into gossiping saying so and so did this and that you know man they're not very nice people and now you're in Satan's territory and there is sin So, it doesn't mean that we have to walk around and be scared like rabbits and say, did I sit now? Did I sit now? So, on. just like you drive a car, here's how you do it. When you started to drive years ago, some of you are younger, you might have just learned to drive. But anyway, when you start driving a car, and you never done it before, you're going to hold on that steering wheel, and uh, you're going to be very clumsy when it comes to the gas and the brake pedals, you're going to brake too hard, you know, everybody jerks forward, and you're going to gas it up, everybody flips back, you know, when you accelerate, so you're not very smooth, and uh, at the same time, you know, you're always looking around, and, you know, there's a cop behind me, you know, and so on. So after you get your driver's license, you'll be driving a few years. You don't even think about your driving. You just cruise along. And if you're smart, you have, every a car now has a cruise control, you put it on a speed that you know that you're not going to get caught uh, for speeding. And if you do what the law says, you stop at the stop signs. You stop at red lights. You don't run yellow lights, and uh, you you know you look out the pedestrians. It's the one you keep yourself in the lane. If you keep the traffic laws, you can be totally relaxed. Now I don't know all the things that in the, in the traffic laws and <clears throat> all the basic stuff. But if somebody asks me, you know, uh, how many pounds can a baby be before they can uh, sit in the front seat? Right now, I don't know. Uh, I I haven't really studied that. So, but when I drive a car, I know the basics. I know, don't speed, don't run red lights, don't blow through stop signs, and yield to traffic. Don't be... Nasty driver and so on. And praise the Lord, God has been good to me. I've been driving in this country since 1963, and I haven't had, I haven't caused any accident. I've been rear-ended twice, it was not my fault, and uh, minor damage. So, God has been good. That doesn't mean I'm a super good driver. It simply means that I have learned to be smart and know what I'm doing and follow the laws. So this is how you want to walk with the Lord. So you can have that guidance, and I use it many, many times. I use it all the time, matter of fact. I simply say, God, what do I do? How do I talk to this person? What? Should I say this or should I not say that? It's to me a second nature to try to get guidance from the Holy Spirit. When I start my day, what do I start doing first? Do I do this? Do I do that? When I write sermons, when I, when I write for the NIP, which is I'm doing that right now spiritual warfare, I simply ask God, tell me what to write. How do I go about this? And then I get information, I turn to this scripture here, talk about this subject, uh, this is the way it happened, history, and so on. It's fantastic. It's like you have, um, you fly an airplane, you put it on automatic pilot, and it flies itself, and you just sit there and enjoy it. With that, let me get into now page number two, (laughs) I did one page last week, page and a half, so God always has and always will have spiritual communication, from the very beginning of creation, God has always been in communication with the creatures that he created, in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, the Bible tells us how God walked and talked with Adam before Adam fell into sin. God communicated with men like Abraham, Noah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the Old Testament prophets, and finally God communicated to the world through Christ. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, you read this. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So Jesus has spoken He is speaking and He will be speaking. What we have today is the number one guidance object that we have is the Bible. And that is extremely important that we understand. God has spoken through angels, through dreams. Visions, thoughts, miracles in nature. Even using a donkey at one time to get a message through. Let's just read that. That's from Numbers. Uh, Numbers in uh, the book, the books of Moses. So Numbers 22... And we go to verse 22. And here it is. Numbers 22. 22. And God's anger was kindled because he went, this is Balaam now, he's a prophet. And God's anger was kindled because Balaam went and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for it. An adversary stood as an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass, or the donkey, saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. He saw a drone in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way that he wanted to go. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on his side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw that the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself onto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. He hit her. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or the left. And when the ass or the donkey saw the angel lord, she fell down on the Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. He beat her. And the lord opened the mouth of the donkey or the ass. She said unto Balaam, What have I done unto you? Did you have smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because you have mocked me, I would, there was a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. And he asked unto Balaam, Am not I your ass, or donkey, upon with whom you are ridden ever since I was thine, unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto you? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. He sword and drawn his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel Lord said to him, Wherefore have you smitten your ass three thee three times? Behold, I went out to withstand you, because your way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from the these three times, unless she had turned from me Surely now also I'd slain you, and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that you stood in the way against me. Now therefore, if I, therefore, if it displeases you, I will get my, I will get me back again. And the angels of the Lord sent to Balaam, "Go with a man, but only the word I shall speak unto you shall you speak." So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. This is a story that probably not man preachers uh, preach on, but it's a, it's a it's a good story and it's a, it's a true story of this prophet that simply would not obey, he was doing his own thing, and he had a donkey he was riding on, and the donkey saw the angel of the Lord with a sword, and the donkey saved Balaam's life three times and he just beat her because he was, in his stupidity, he did not understand that there's something here that I cannot see, but I need to see it So, God can use anything, anyone to give you a message if there needs to be. These men and women in the Bible were able to perceive and understand the will of God for their lives and do what God wanted them to do. As we look upon these people in history, we want to be able to have this gift of receiving guidance from God. The good news is that we can. Before Jesus died, before Jesus died on the, actually his body died on the cross, the Holy Spirit was not given to men the way he is today you have King David you get the prophet Elijah and so on they were anointed by the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit did not dwell within them let me press that home by turning to the Gospel of John we're going to land in about chapter 7 and let me read from John chapter 7 verse number 37 and on in the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried saying if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink he that believes of me As the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. This is important to understand that. All the people during the New, Old Testament times, the great prophet Elijah and all the others, Elisha, Moses, King David, a number of others, they were anointed, but the Holy Spirit did not live within them. The anointed came And went. When you get saved, born again, your spirit, your dead spirit, is born. And at that moment, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples, I don't want to leave Jerusalem until you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit he says I don't want to start that in ministry you just hang around in Jerusalem until the day you are baptized in the Holy Spirit prior to this they had cast out demons they prayed for the sick they done a lot of different miracles. Were the apostles saved? Or were not only the apostles, we had 70 others and we had 39 women. So a total of 120 people that was in the core of Jesus. Were they saved before the cross? And the answer is yes. They looked forward forward. For the redemption, and just like with Abraham, it says, "And Abraham believed God, and he was counted to him for righteousness." So the Old Testament saints were looking forward to that someday a Messiah would come. He would pay for the sins of the people, and by repenting and asking God to forgive them, and believing in the future Messiah. They were saved, born again. But they were not baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, let's try to get a grip on this. You find that Jesus sent his 12 apostles out before the crucifixion. And they went out, they cast out demons, they healed the sick and so on. We know it says it, he sent the 70 out, and they came back and said, hey, him and the demons have would obey us when we cast them out, and so on. So they did have miracles. They were anointed by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was not in them. Now, after the resurrection of Jesus' body, after he came back from paradise, and, um, he walked with them for 40 days, it says in the book of Acts chapter 1. He then told his disciples this. You are not going to leave Jerusalem. I, I'm, this is not written down, but I'm sure he, he told them this. He said, you know, I, I know that you were doing this and that when we were in Galilee before I was crucified. But he said, things are different now. I don't want you to go until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. What is a baptism of the Spirit? Well, the baptism of the Spirit is simply you are possessed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not upon you, He is within you. He has saturated everything there is of you body, soul, and spirit it is a possession, where he now has come in, he's in control, Satan has his counter to that, which is called demon possession, where Satan puts a demon into a person, and then make that person do whatever Satan wants him to do, and the reason for the baptism of the spirit is so that God can make us to do what He wants us to do by controlling us. Because in ourselves we don't know what God wants us to do. We were just running around like saying, but what does God want to do? I don't know. Well let's do something nice for God. So that's a very different. The sad thing is that most churches from Baptists, to Presbyterians, to Methodists, to the, whatever the denominations they are, they simply have rejected the baptism of the Spirit. And thus these churches are powerless. They are only good for one thing. They lead people to Christ they do get people saved, but that's all they do I mean, it's a pitiful sight, now they lead people to Christ and then these people are struggling, they're hiccups they sin, they stumble, they don't have any power and so they are told, read the Bible more, you gotta pray more, go to church more and it will be like somebody having a heart attack and they just having a heart attack, and they' kind of hang on to life, and somebody said, "You need to go to the gym, exercise more. that kill a person." So it is important that you understand that in order for you to hear the Holy Spirit, you really have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, I talked about the book of Acts. So, let me read it. Uh, It's in my King James Bible. Uh, I did not print that this morning. Uh, This is the way it's been for about 2,000 years. So, the book of Acts, chapter 1, and I'm just going to read the first four verses to you, or five. The former treaty, which means that the, what I wrote to you before, have I made, O Theophilus, and all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he threw the Holy Ghost to give commandment commandments unto the apostles, whom he had chosen. To whom he also showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them. He didn't say, I would like you to do this. He said, you are going to do. Commanded them. You are not going to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which says he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So, that's what Jesus said. And that's exactly what happened. Acts chapter 2, they all were baptized in the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit came in. Now, I started out as a Lutheran. I was three days old when I was sprinkled by a Lutheran priest and I was declared a proud member of the Swedish Lutheran Church. Three or four years later, I started attending the Mission Covenant Church in Sweden, their Sunday school. And I became a proud member of the Mission Covenant Church. And uh, as such, I had given my life to Christ. And uh, I was never told about the Holy Spirit. So, I never had any power. Years later, after I had been in sin, living in sin from the age of 13 up to 22, actually, up to 25. I came back to God, come back to Christ, and joined a Southern Baptist Church in Salt Lake City, became very active there, was very happy, and so on. But I was never baptized in the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I had good pastors, but they had been trained as good Southern Baptists that the Holy Spirit was not for us today. So that's what I was told. Matter of fact, I asked it sometimes. I said, there's a lot of miracles here in the New Testament. Why don't we have them now? Oh, they said that was only for then. It is not for now. I said, why not? Well, we don't need it now because we have the Bible. These people didn't have the Bible, so they need the miracles. I said, "Where is that in the Bible?" Well, <laughs> uh, that's not really in the Bible. And it was not until I came to um, California in 1969 that I heard people talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit so I started reading the Bible again sure enough there it is and I can definitely tell you this that when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit there was a difference in my life now prior to this I had been preaching I didn't pray for the sick I just prayed the prayer you know and believe God, if it is your will to heal this person, so do it. And you're not going to heal them nor give them strength to die. I mean, that, that was my part of life in those days. So, after the baptism of the Spirit, I realized there was a different power in me. Now, how did I get that? Well, I simply asked for it. And before I could get it, I had demons in me. So they were. I had to cast the demons out first. I didn't have anyone to help me. And uh, then after the demons were cast out, then the power of God came down upon me. And I had... The Holy Spirit now saturated me. It was not just upon me. I was not just sealed by the Holy Spirit. I was now filled with the Holy Spirit. And I noticed a difference when I preached. Before I preached, some people got saved. Afterwards, much more people got saved. I started to pray for the sick. And people got well I started casting out demons, and people got well. So, in other words, there was a vast difference. And also, when it comes to guidance, I now begin to ask the Holy Spirit, should I do this, or should I do that? How do I proceed, and so on. And many times when I stood in front of a person uh, that we were going to help, I was simply breathe a prayer inside of me saying how do I proceed and, and it's absolutely fantastic, I've been on stages where I've been preaching crusades and uh, lots of people coming forward and so on and I would ask simply say, what do I do now, do this, okay I do that what do I do now, do this, I do that it is fantastic to be led by the Holy Spirit. So let me go back here again and read to you now from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 13 and 15. How when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. The Spirit of Truth. It is the Holy Spirit that creates a hunger in the heart of the unbeliever and convicts him of his sins and his need for a Savior. The same Holy Spirit would guide the person and respond to him to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You cannot get saved unless you have the gift of repentance. And that is the Holy Spirit convicted you. There are countless testimonies People have been saved in homes, in cars, at the movies, in a bar, or just about any place. Many are saved in churches or in revival crusades. The Holy Spirit might be speaking through dreams, thoughts, radio, or television programs, tracts, etc. But remember this eventually, He will lead the person very differently to a Bible-preaching, believing church. So the Holy Spirit eventually will lead you to a Bible-believing, Holy Ghost church. If you obey Him, if you have a hunger, and you say, Lord, I want more, I want all what you have, he will guide you, and he will lead you. And I can testify to this. Like I you, I started at St. Lutheran, Luther, then the Mission Covenant Church, and then ended up in a Southern Baptist Church. And from a Southern Baptist Church, I simply be I was a Baptist preacher, Southern Baptist preacher, and then I became a Pentecostal preacher. And I simply God had me to start churches, so I started my own Pentecostal churches. Actually, they were his churches, but I was the pastor for them. But this is what he will do. So let me say this to you now. If you are not in a spirit-filled King James Bible Church, you will miss most of God's guidance. Now I introduce a new concept to you. A King James Bible. I don't have time on, on today's program to tell you about the different Bible versions and so on. But for almost a thousand years, about 50, I would say probably about sixteen, seventeen hundred years, 1700 years the devil was in a business of burning Bibles and destroying Bibles and he used the Muslims, he used the Catholics and he used a number of different places so the Bible was a threat to him well, around 1850-60 the devil simply realized this the more Bibles I burn <laughs> the more people come to Christ so I, my method of trying to keep the Bible out from people is not working I got to change tactics so he decided this he was going to be a promoter of Bibles his Bibles so he simply said this to his fallen angels we're going to influence people and we're going to have them write new Bibles we are going to have them doing our Bibles and for example you had Muhammad." Mohammed uh, he took part of the Bibles Old the New Testament and then he added a whole bunch of other stuff and he made the Koran. Uh, Joseph Smith came along and he said the Bible is not right translated so uh, we're going to have to fix that so i to, I got to fix what was not right translated so now you got a Mormon Bible. Jehovah's Witnesses, they got the New World uh, Version, the New World Bible, and uh, they simply said, you know, that the uh, Bible is not right translated, so we, we got to fix that, so they had their own version. And then came two clergymen, Scott and Hort, from England, and about 1860, 1870, they decided this we're going to rewrite the New Testament we're going to use some bastard versions of uh, documents that they had, they said dated back and uh, so they wrote, rewrote the New Testament so that was done about 1870, 1880, Um, so we now had a New Testament written in Greek, but it was a terrible, it was a destroyed version of the New Testament, so now that there was about, everybody, very few people read Greek, so what I need to do now is to get this into the mainstream, so around 1900, 1910, 1930, and so on, there was some men that were willing to do the bidding of Satan, and they gave the United States, the New International Version, the NIV Bible. And then from there on, we've had a number of different Bibles. The worst one is a Message Bible. And uh, you got all kinds of different Bibles. And the devil said, I like this. Do you know, my dear friend, that most Bibles that you buy today in the United States, are printed in China. Yes, China prints Bibles for the rest of the world. They print the bastard versions. Now, a Chinese cannot own a Bible. It is uh, forbidden, but a lot of Chinese people work in print shops and they're producing millions of new international Version, the message Bible and all kind of different versions and they, they're sold in the United States they're sold in Europe and so on and Satan said get a Bible man, you need a Bible, can you believe that Satan is promoting sales of Bibles, his Bibles he hates the King James Bible because that is the truest version we have to the original Old Testament and the Greek version of the New Testament and that's why very few churches today use the King James Bible because they have Satan's Bibles they have the bastard versions and Satan said Uh, we can print them in China, that way we get a good price, so you can get a new Bible for a good price, and you can read this, you can, I'm happy that you read this, because you're going to read false doctrine, and you're going to be led astray, so I like it, go and read your Bible, that's what I said, In order to have things, you need two things. You need the Holy Spirit, and you need a correct Bible. If you are not in a Spirit-filled King James church, and that's the King James Bible church, you will miss most of God's guidance. Guaranteed sad. People still get saved in these churches. But that's about it. They get saved. But after that they don't grow. So what do, what do you have in these churches that replace the Holy Spirit? You have worship teams. You have a lot of music. You have uh, strobe lights, smoke machines you have um, people standing there and screaming in the microphone and then you have all the social programs for the adults for the children, a lot of programs if you go to a modern church, if it is a mega church if it is a smaller church they, they keep you busy. There's meetings just about every night if you want to go to them. There's activities. You got bowling uh, stuff. You got things for the uh, retired people, for the senior citizens. You got youth meetings. You got young couples that are not married. You got young married couples ministry. You got uh, adult ministry with children and so on. I tell you what, the devil has shaped the modern church in such a way that it has everything to keep you busy. The only problem modern church has is this, as long as you somewhat can function, you do well in it. But if you get mentally ill, you get the depression, or if you have marriage problems and your know, marriage is on the rock and so on, and and your drug problems or so whatever it is, then these churches cannot help you. They don't have the power. So they simply send you to a psychiatrist, to send you to a psychologist, to send you to a medical doctor, they send you to a men, mental institution and so on and so on and say, Well, you need professional help. Now, when you hear the word professional help, that means that a guy is talking to you and he does not have the Holy Spirit. He is just what I call a social engineer running a church that is working fine as long as people don't have too big problems. Well, you know what? Time goes fast, very fast, And uh, we're just about up here at the end of the program today. And you can only hear so much that you're saturated. So I talked slow today. I stayed on certain things. I talked to hammer them because what I want to do is is I want you to think and say, hmm, I haven't thought about that. I haven't thought about this. I need to investigate. I need to pray about this. I want to stimulate you. If you are in a spiritual church, praise the Lord. If you are not, find one. Now, let's share a few things here. let we close down. First of all, I'm the pastor of a church called Resurrection Life of Jesus Church. It's a country church. We are in the country. And we are country people. And uh, we are not city slickers. And we would love to have you come if you like to go to a country church, and uh, you're used to the big churches, um, a different style. We serve up the King James Bible, we uh, talk about the baptism of the Spirit, we do cast out demons, we pray for the sick, so pretty much we are a New Testament apostolic church. And so, if that's what you're interested in, uh, we'd be glad to have you come. We have a service every Sunday morning. We've been church about two, three hours. And um, if you live in the greater Sacramento area, because I am in Sacramento, California, then we would like to have you come and so on. But if you live in other places, you might be living in Europe, you might be living in Australia, wherever you go or live then the good news is is you can tune us in every Sunday morning we have a website and on the website it's called webcasting we are known under European American Evangelistic Crusade EAEC.org EAEC.org go to our website and um, you will find there on the top weekly webcast, you click on that, click on another one, and matter of fact if you right now would would like to know what I preached on last Sunday, the service is laid out, we have our music, we have our prayer time and I preached the message yesterday, not yesterday but last Sunday, and you can hear that today now next Sunday we will go to wipe that out and uh, we're going to start another one. But you can also go to YouTube. And we have a YouTube channel. We have about 650 videos of sermons that I've done since since November 2008. And uh, they're there for you to download for your charge. You can find the same sermons and outlines on our website, EAEC.org. I also have a lot of written material. Some of it you have to buy, some of it's free. That's on our website. So, if you've found today that hmm, maybe John Terrell has a little bit insight, I want to find out some more stuff, go to our website and you'll find But I will say this, you beat be there for some time. If you are hungry for God, you will come back again and again and again. Now, money... You know, there's no free lunch. It takes money to run things. The gospel is free, but the package costs money. So, Channel Davis has Omega Man Radio Ministry, and um, it's not free. He has cost. He has to pay for this and this and that and so on. And most of all, he has a family of three children and a wife, and uh, they do eat food. I mean they are not translated yet so they need food they need lodging, uh, they need clothing so that takes some money to do that. Now if Shannon is doing full time ministry and you benefit from that then it will be prudent for you to simply say well I want to keep Shannon coming so go to Shannon's website right now. He has Number of donation buttons, he's very, he's, he's one-on-one of them. He's very good at this. And just hit one of them, and simply put some money in, and write a note the same. We love your channel, and I want to keep you coming on Omega Man Radio. Do that, and you will really bless me. And with that, God bless you, and hope to see you next time, or I we will hear you. You will hear him again next week. Lord willing, Creek won't rise. And I'm still on earth. I'll be here. Back to you, Sean.
1: Brother John, what a great message today. And uh, thank you for standing up for God's word in English, the King James Bible. Uh, there's very few of us, it seems. And uh, you're one of the very few on this program who will stand up and defend it. And I appreciate you. You're very much like my friend Al Cuppitt. He was a uh, defender of God's word till the very end, the Lord took him and uh, I plan to do the same because uh, it is God's word in the English language, I accept no substitute, recommend people don't either Uh, God speaks through his word and he has sustained that word the King James authorized version for over 400 years I don't have to worry about someone going in there and trying to neuter it like they've done with these other versions or making it politically correct or hacking out scriptures and the biggest travesty, and I'll uh, finish with this point, Brother John, is many are not even aware that just about every other Bible out there was compromised a long time ago by the Catholic Church and is a bridge Bible back to Babylon and used as the basic basis for their translations into English from Greek, a bastardized Greek text that comes from the bowels of the Vatican itself and was brought in to our country through Horton Westcott one of them was an occultist he would go into the church at night in the dark sit there and talk to he said the dead saints well folks you don't come back from the dead not on this side of return of the Lord Jesus Christ he was talking to demons and there are thousands upon thousands of changes in the Greek Horton Westcott text that they produced comes out of the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus out of Egypt It's a bastard and I will tell you don't waste your time on it because the devil spent a lot of time on it to put it together and he's deceived millions and millions but not those of us who have got a King James authorized Bible because ours comes from the Textus Receptus, the majority text, not some 40 parchments that came out of um, uh, Satan's archives. That's all I'm going to say on that. You can spend many, many hours proving these points. Get the King James. You say, I don't understand it. Well, start reading it. It was made so a sixth grader could read it and understand it. Sadly, we don't have the educational system that they did 100 years ago here in America. But with enough effort, you can do it. And the Holy Spirit, if you'll pray before you read, will help you to understand the Word. And it's just... uh Like any um, person will tell you, if you want to know the counterfeit, you must know the authentic first. So people that work for the Treasury Department to spot counterfeit bills, the way they train them is they give them a real bill. And you deal with the real. And once you know the real, you can spot the counterfeit. The King James is the real word of God in English. And when you read it, you'll begin to spot these counterfeits coming out there. Somebody was preaching the other day, Brother John, even from the New King James, which has over a hundred thousand changes from the original King James, and sadly, the third edition was recaptured, and they produced it using the Vaticanus, and the Sinaiticus, textus uh, uh, codex is the book, and it's—they're all bridges back to Babylon. And this guy was quoting a scripture, and I said, "Wait a minute, something doesn't sound right there." I know it didn't sound right because that's not the way I read it in the King James Bible. And when you know the real deal, you'll have your antenna go up and say, hey, there's something there I better check out. It doesn't sound right. And uh, get the real deal. It may take you longer to get up to speed. So be it. You're going to be grounded in, rooted in God's Word. No wonder the enemy. No wonder the King James Bible is the most hated book on the planet, even the most hated Bible in the churches. Go figure. Just like the name of Jesus. Because there's power in this book, and there's power in the name of Jesus. Uh, go to eaec dot org, brother John. We love you. And uh, when can people tune in? Okay, before?
0: let me let me say one thing to you. Yes. Uh, let's call, let's call this today hearing the Holy Spirit.
1: Okay. Hearing the Holy Spirit. We'll go with that. I had written down you need the Holy Spirit in the correct Bible, but we'll go with hearing the Holy Spirit. It is. Um, but you listen to this program, you're going to know what the correct Bible is too. Uh, Brother John, if someone wants to tune in on Sunday, what time uh, can they be part of your broadcast?
0: We start at, uh, music start at 8.30 uh, a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, We start prayer time at 9, and I start preaching approximately 9.30.
1: Fantastic. (coughs) We love you, my friend. Thank Thank you for coming on. Have a great day.
0: Okay, same to you, and God bless you.
1: God bless you. And let me just clarify the New King James Bible is not a King James Bible. Let me repeat that. If you got a New King James Bible, you do not have a King James Bible. I don't care what they've called it, it's not new. I mean, it's not the old King James. What it is, it's a new version that comes out of the bowels of the Vatican. And I have a whole video on it that explains this. All the modern Bibles are New Age Bibles that are bridges back to Babylon and putting you under the thumb of the Catholic Church and the Codex Vaticanus, just like the name Vatican came out of the Vatican, and also the Codex Sinaiticus, which came out of the Vatican Catholic uh, Monastery in Egypt. St. Catharines. These are Catholic Bibles. The New King James Bible is a Catholic Bible. Throw it out. Get it out of there. It's corrupt. It's leavened bread. You don't want leavened bread. Corrupts a whole loaf. Get rid of that leaven. Get you an authorized King James Bible. Say, where do I go? Go to Amazon. And a number of publishing companies produce them. Cambridge is one of your best. Cambridge, um, Thompson, Thomas Nelson just get the authorized King James Bible, not the 1611 version with the old typeset, get the modern King James Bible, it's been um, the standard in the English language since 1789, praise God I'm here to tell you, I've got the proof, you want to watch the whole three hour video I've done my homework. And that's the only one a Mega Man allows in my house, King James. i die for the King James. Because many died so you and I could have the real thing. The most hated book on the planet is the King James Bible. The most hated name on the planet is Jesus Christ. And in the churches too. In that it. Because there's power in that name and there's power in God's word. If you got his word, if you don't have a King James, you don't have his word. Okay, there we are. Let me save this program. We will be back. To get into the King James tonight, we're going to pick up with Exodus 4. We'll be right back.